Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, so um, sudden death is what's going on here. There was supposed to be intro music that played, but, uh, you know, there are technical difficulties sometimes, but we power through them here on sudden death because, you know, we've got uh, that sudden death power through thing going on here. Um, but hi, anyway, uh, my name is Rashawn Murrow. Um, I'm here along with uh, Alexander Robert Riddle. I'm also on? here. And uh, this is Sudden Death, the show that takes you in-depth suddenly to whatever kind of thing we're suddenly doing or talking about. It's really a, a nice novel concept, I think. Uh, there's ways to talk to us and tell us or Alex how he's doing because he loves to know what you think. Uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, tell me. Facebook.com. I thrive off of feedback. Sudden Death Show. Twitter.com slash Sudden Death Show. If you're listening live, you can always call in at 773-897-6182. And um, we'll be here for you for the next, uh, oh, I don't know, almost hour or so. Isn't that right, Alex? What was that number? Um, uh, hour. It was one hour. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, speaking of things that um, are coming up um, uh, soon, the inauguration of Donald Trump. Uh, isn't that exciting? It's Friday, January 20th, and it's going to be in D.C., and it's going to be um, festive, but not really celebrity driven because they all decided not to come. Uh, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Do you really care about the celebrities being there or not? Or does that say something? Um, well, you know, frankly, I think it's better that the celebrities aren't there. Why do you say that? Uh, because they are the, you know, perfect manipulators of the public. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> people will listen to a celebrity say something, even though it has nothing to do with that celebrity's area of expertise. Uh, just merely based on their recognition and uh, perceived prestige, people will do whatever a celebrity says. I see. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> if we're moving away from having celebrities very involved with politics, I think that's a good thing. Well, that's not a, a terrible point. In fact, some might say it's um, a decent point. That's what some might say. Um, but some of the reason that the celebrities might be deciding to forego this inauguration is because Donald Trump, throughout his campaign, was a very polarizing character and uh, figure, if you will. Uh, said a lot of controversial things. In fact, it's kind of amazing that we're even talking about a President Trump. Remember back on uh, June uh, like 16th, 2015, and he came down the <laughs> that's escalator? very specific. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a day in history. That'll live in history when uh, you know, someone rose up who came from no political background to the highest office in the land – just kind of willy-nilly, um, you know, it was an amazing journey through the campaign. And uh, since the inauguration's coming up, I thought, uh, or the staff, the sudden depth staff thought it would be a great time to go back and figure just how we got here. So what the staff has done is put together a list of the top 10 most controversial moments during the campaign, things that Donald Trump either said to any other person, you or I, or you and I both, if we were running, we would have been disqualified from running at that point. Our poll numbers would have, That's right. We would have been Dairy Queens. As they say, that's right. at Dairy Queens <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Donald Trump got the nickname Teflon Don, um, <laughs> and he alienated a whole lot of people along the way. And as a result, his approval numbers going into Inauguration Day are at 40%. So, uh you're the math major around here. I think 40% is that uh, two out of every five people approve of uh, his job as a uh, president elect since the, the campaign is over. You're quite correct. Um, I do what I can. Don't always get those figures right, but I do what I can. So what we're going to do is we're going to count down the, we're going to take a, a, a roll down memory lane, if you will, or, or stroll. We'll either roll or stroll or waltz or walk or jog or skip or jump. We'll get down memory lane somehow. There are many avenues. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go through the top 10 controversial moments Now a note of caution here 
this top ten list does not include the uh, grab them by the feline moment because number one, <laughs> that didn't actually happen during the campaign. It happened a decade before the campaign. It was just discovered during the campaign. But Rashawn, and number that's two, my favorite moment. I know it is. Oh man. And number two, we we already talked about that incident on a prior episode of Sudden Death, so you can go to iTunes and search Sudden Death and find uh, the previous episode that we talked about that in and get our analysis on that there. So, now to get started, we're going to go to that very first day back in June of 2015, where Donald Trump uh, came down the escalator in Trump Tower, and he had some uh, (laughs) what would become infamous uh, words to say about uh, Mexican immigrants. Now, what you normally hear from this uh, speech that he gave is, you know, they cut it to where he says, you know, Mexico is sending uh, criminals, drug dealers, and rapists. And then that's all you hear in the clip. So what we've done is provide a little bit more context to that moment to get a fuller uh, understanding of what he was actually saying. And we'll discuss why it became so controversial uh, after this. But here's Donald Trump talking about who Mexico is sending over the border. The U.S. has become a dumping ground for everybody else's problems. It's true. And these are the best and the finest. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. I was born here. They're sending people that have lots of problems. Lots of problems. And they're bringing those problems with us. And they're bringing They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some... I assume are good people, but I speak to border guards and they tell us what we're getting. And it only makes common sense. It only makes common sense. They're sending us not the right people. It's coming from more than Mexico. It's coming from all over South and Latin America, and it's coming probably, probably, probably from the Middle East. But we don't know because we have no protection and we have no competence. We don't know what's happening. And it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Gotta stop fast. Got to stop that. <laughs> okay, so that's the the whole context of what he said around you know immigrants. I, who was that guy who was like uh, making little quips right over uh, Donald's shoulders? I, I, <laughs> I think that was Eric Trump. Oh, Eric okay, Trump. yeah, yeah. It sounded yeah. Yes, I was like him. <laughs> yes, it did. Um, so you know that statement right there where he says Mexico is sending criminals, drug dealers, and rapists over the border, that became Donald Trump says all Mexicans are rapists. Uh, and that alienated a lot of Latino voters in general. Um, looking at, listening to the entire context of what he was saying, he said in a very inartful way, as he is wont to do, that uh, you know people are coming over the Mexican border, and a lot of them have a lot of uh, problems that they're, sending, that they're bringing to the country. You know, there are drug dealers and criminals and narcotraficantes, as they say in Mexico, and people who do bad and horrible things. That's what happened to Kate Steinle in California, but that got twisted into Donald Trump says all Mexicans are rapists, and in some cases, all Latinos are rapists. And, you know, from the very first day, this guy got off to the wrong foot. Um, Listening to the entire context, do you think that uh, the criticism, the out-of-context statement was warranted in the way it was spun uh, for the rest of the campaign. Yeah, me? No. I, I think uh, I think it's pretty clear what he was saying. He's not saying all Mexicans are rapists. He was saying some Mexicans are rapists, and some of those rapists are coming to America, which is, I mean, like, uh, um, like that. This is just you know rhetoric. Yes. <laughs> Basically, well, yeah. it's it's essentially nonsense, but. Um, th- in order to, rather than just calling him out on, you know, saying, like, he's not even saying anything, which would be true. Um, they say, they make these massive, like, accusations that are not true and are basically offensive to all Trump supporters because they're like, well, I don't feel that way and I don't think Trump feels that way. So I think now you've just, like, discredited yourself to me. And uh, if you break down the statement logically, which I know you love to do, yeah, please. what he says... <laughs> Whether it's true or not is another story, but just breaking it down kind of logically in order. So what he says is uh, Mexico, when they send their people, whatever that means, 
they're not sending their best. Quote, so at this point, <laughs> yes. So at this point, we already have two categories of Mexican people: the the best and the not best. Right. And he's saying that the not best are being sent here. So just on that alone, he's not saying all Mexicans because there are the best Mexicans who are not being sent here. Right. And then right. out of the group of the not best Mexicans, he, they're bringing those problems with us. I don't know what that means because of the way <laughs> the subject and the object pronouns are coordinated there but anyway those not best mexicans some of them uh uh, are bringing drugs some are bringing crime some are rapists and then he assumes supposedly some of those not best mexicans are good people Uh, but uh yeah and and i mean like it's it's just total like I mean, word salad. It, yeah, it's it's nonsense. It's like <laughs> it's just weasel words. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. But, Thank you. But the the problem the problem for his opponents is you can't really falsify nonsense. You know, you can't really falsify gibberish. Yeah. So, um, what uh the people on the left resorted to, which is is their uh you know main technique nowadays, which is uh outrage. Outrage. And oh boy, did it fail him. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it did. Uh, so, you know, that was the first, very first controversy that he made. Um, but then a few months later, he was at um, a forum, um, a faith forum, and he was being interviewed by Frank Luntz. Frank Luntz, as you know, Alex, is a pollster, your favorite pollster and mine. And he was talking to Donald Trump about John McCain. Why was that? Well, it's because John McCain had recently said that before this, that, you know, some of the people in Trump's crowds were a bunch of crazies who went to his, his rallies. And naturally, Trump, being someone who gets very offended easily, got very upset about that. And so when Frank Luntz tried to press Donald Trump about whether or not John McCain was a war hero, this is what happened. John McCain, a war hero, five and a half years as a POW, and you call him a dummy. Is that appropriate in running for president? Okay. Uh, let's, you got to let me speak, though, Frank, because you right. interrupt all the time, okay? He hit me. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. Do you agree with that? He's a war hero because he was captured, okay? You can have, and I believe perhaps he's a war hero, but, but right now he said some very bad things about a lot of people. A beautiful day with incredible people that were wonderful, great Americans, I will tell you. John McCain goes... Oh, boy, Trump makes my life difficult. He had 15,000 crazies show up, crazies. He called them all crazy. I said, they weren't crazy. They were great Americans. These people, if you would have seen these people, you, I know what a crazy is. I know all about crazies. These weren't crazy. So I think the worst part of that was Trump saying that he knows all about crazies. Uh, that no, was the ammunition that right there. Yes. Um, but, you know, this was the first controversy that got people uh, on the right, Republicans, all riled up about what he said. You know, John McCain is, a, by every measure, a war hero. Um, he was tortured uh, for, I think, about five years in a, in a prison, Vietnam somewhere. And um, he survived and came back and, you know, he had served this country admirably in the military. And, you know, if you listen there, what Donald Trump says first is he's not a war hero. Then he changes to... Okay, he's a war hero because he was captured, and I like people who weren't captured. And then he says, perhaps he's a war hero, but he said bad things about my supporters. <laughs> As you know, being a war hero and saying bad things about your supporters are totally unrelated things. And so um, that should not be a qualifier to his war hero-ness. But Donald Trump, you know, his instinct is to just attack back no matter what it is, no matter who it is. And this was the first the controversy that really got the right mad at him. And at this point, people thought that he was going to um, drop in the polls because he was leading in the polls at the time, as he will tell you. Uh, but he didn't. He kept going. And his poll numbers rose after this. Why do you suppose that is? Why do I suppose his poll numbers were able to rise after this? Yes. Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. To be honest. That's, again, that is the yeah. type of analysis you get on this show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you have any theories about that? Um, well, it was basically, I think, because some of the policies he was saying about the Mexican border, as we discussed in the wall, were appealing to a lot of people. He was saying that we're going to bring back jobs into the country and we're going to force companies not to ship jobs overseas. And he was kind of a blunt, um, tell it like it is kind of guy. If you went to his rallies and asked his supporters, oh, why do you uh, support this guy? They would always say, well, 
He is not a politician, number one. And number two, he, quote, tells it like it is, whatever that means. Um, but, you know, this John McCain comment, uh, I mean, it really shows that he <laughs> just will attack at anyone no matter what. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, I will say this isn't really to his credit, by the way. Okay. <laughs> nice caveat. I will say that uh, he, uh, I think he's very intentional about, like, punching people where it hurts. You know? <laughs> yes. So uh, if he can, like, he's not someone who's going to say, okay, let's keep it above the belt. Right. He, he just wants the quickest KO that's possible. Right. So uh, that's kind of what that is. <laughs> and also, I think, uh, I think the whole telling it like it is thing, uh, what that really means, to some people at least, is uh, he basically speaks off the cuff and without really like caring about uh, appearances, you know, like I do, you know, or the ramifications of what he said. Right. Right. Like, you know, like anybody does, you know, behind closed doors with their like, you know, close friends or whatever, where where you can just kind of say like, ah, John McCain, ah, you know, (laughs) that's a great Trump impression, by the way. You should go on tour. No, that, that. that's my everyman impression. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Got it. That's the average human impression. So, like, I mean, you know, b- behind closed doors, you could say, McCain, he's no war hero. Yes. And he, then, got, he, he got captured. What an idiot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, I could totally see, uh, you know, one of my uncles saying that at Thanksgiving. Yes. As, like, a joke. Right. And then, you know, everyone's like, Oh, 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 all right. Let's change the subject. Yeah. This is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a, not a bad point there. Again, uh, so you know, veterans got offended at this. Uh, yeah, Republican. but hold on, hold on. Oh. It's, it's not. I want to be clear though. It's not honesty. Telling it like it is. Te- no. Quote, telling it like that's it is. Right. Not honesty. No. Nobody thinks it's honesty. It's, but well, some of his supporters it's a, do, and it's, well, in some yeah. of the polls, you know, they would say that he's more honest than Hillary Clinton, and that's because of this. Tell it like it is. They confuse bluntness. With being yeah. honest, like, you know, if you're if your girlfriend is fat, um, you know, you could say that, hey, you're fat, which is being honest. And it's also being blunt. But being blunt does not always mean being honest. Right, right, right. But it, it, it's also he gives he gives the appearance that he's a uh, he's uh, behaving as he would in any other context. Right. And that's why I connected with a lot of average Joes. Yeah, exactly. All right. So. After that kerfuffle, there was a debate in August, the first Republican debate where there were 17 people on the stage. There was a, a kiddie table debate for the, the nobodies that no, had no chance. And then there was a, a big boy debate um, that uh, uh, Donald Trump was participating in. And that was a Fox News debate. They hosted the first GOP debate in the 2016 cycle. And one of the first questions that were asked was from Megyn Kelly who until recently was a, a longtime Fox News anchor, Megyn Kelly asked Donald Trump about his comments about women over the years, some of the disparaging things that he said. And Donald Trump got really offended by that line of questioning. And then shortly after the debate, he talked to CNN's Don Lemon. I don't have a lot of respect for Megyn Kelly. She's a lightweight. And, you know, she came out there reading her little script and trying to, uh, you know, be tough and be sharp. And uh, when you meet her, you realize she's not very tough and she's not very sharp. She's zippo. Well, I just don't respect her as a journalist. I have no respect for her. I don't think she's very good. I think she's highly overrated. But when I came out there, you know, what am I doing? I'm not getting paid for this. I go out there and, uh, you know, they start saying, lift up your arm if you're going to. Then I then And, you know, I didn't know there'd be 24 million people. I figured, but I knew it was going to be a big crowd because I get big crowds. I get ratings. They call me the ratings machine. So I have, uh, you know, she she gets out and she starts asking me all sorts of ridiculous questions. And, you know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes, uh, blood coming out of her wherever. <laughs> blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her wherever. Um, so when I first heard this, I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, I, I thought that, uh, as most people did, that he was talking about uh, a certain process during certain times of the month that uh, Megyn Kelly must have been on because she was asking these ridiculous, as he put them, questions. Number one, the questions weren't ridiculous. They were about women and his comments on women. They were really a foreshadow of what was to come during the general election. So, you know, it should have been, you know, in some ways, thankful for the chance to kind of clarify those comments. 
but number two, Trump came out later and said, of course, I wasn't talking about her menstrual cycle. I was talking about blood coming out of her ears. But, you know, I just wanted to move on in the conversation. So I just said blood coming out of her eyes and then out of her wherever in an attempt to move on to the next part of the question in the interview. Um, so I think uh, as many people yeah. bought that as the, you know. Right. It's, it's a it's a total lie, but it's uh it's plausible. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, when when you heard that, did you think the same thing uh, that uh, he was talking about uh, blood coming out of her, quote unquote, wherever? As oh a, yeah, I mean it, that's what he's talking about. It's like <laughs> <laughs> now, did you find that outrageous or funny or somewhere uh, in the middle? A little bit of both. Can, yeah, all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's it's a uh, sadly sadly it's really funny. <laughs> well, it's funny, yeah. but it's it's uh it's definitely really not appropriate. What at kind all of for candidate that? can get away with saying yeah. he's running for the highest office in the land? Yeah, like, oh, oh man. Uh, I mean, it, and also just leading up to that, he was just so condescending. Yes. <laughs> she's overrated, asking these ridiculous questions. Yeah. Uh, you know, she later, he later said she was a third rate reporter. And he went on for a period of about seven months after that, trashing Megyn Kelly on Twitter over and over to the point where she was getting death threats, she says in her new book and that uh, she had to get security and um, you know it was really hard for her and her she has three young children um, and she was just doing her job and remarkably she didn't really retaliate after Trump said those things she kind of kept on covering him the way she had been covering him Um, but in May of 2016 she finally had enough and went to Trump Tower you know and sat down with Trump and had that interview on Fox uh, that some Said with a which had totally panned soft interview, yes. Um, and now she's at NBC News, so that uh, probably is why that happened. Um, but you know, he stopped. He really stopped attacking her, except for maybe one more time after that meeting. So you know, maybe Trump is someone who you just have to say nice things about, and he'll stop attacking you. And if you say bad things about, oh, him, yeah, criticize, and he'll yeah, right after that. You. That's it. That's exactly right. Like you know, whenever you whenever you say something critical, he, he's not you know. He's not going to uh, retaliate. He's going to like stomp you to the ground yes. and like just destroy you. Yeah. Um, and then if you say, as soon as you start saying nice things about you, uh, uh, about him, you're on his side. And it doesn't matter who you he's are. He's got you your be, back. You could be Vladimir Putin. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he does. He really doesn't care. It seems, uh, you know, who you are, where you're from, what you did. Yeah. Um, as long as you love him. That's right. Okay, so the fourth thing, uh, we did the top, the first three, we're going in chronological order here, and the fourth thing that uh, really stood out to the sudden death staff was this comment about Carly Fiorina's face. Trump, Donald Trump, for whatever reason, decided to give an interview to Rolling Stone magazine, and uh, you know, for a Republican or conservative, nothing good can come out of an interview with those people. They have an agenda there, um, as anyone who reads them would know, and he made a comment about her face. Uh, now, here is CNN's Brian Stelter. Bless you. Thank you. Here is CNN's Brian Stelter um, reading on CNN the comment that Donald Trump made to Rolling Stone in Rolling Stone magazine about Carly Fiorina's The most shocking comments and the most talked about comments in this long profile are about Carly Fiorina. He is watching a newscast with the Rolling Stone writer. That's when he talks about Carly in some detail. Of course, Carly, the only female candidate in the Republican race. So this is getting a lot of attention. Here's part uh, of what the quote says. It says, when the anchor tosses to Carly Fiorina for her reaction to Trump's momentum, Trump's expression sours in schoolboy disgust as the camera bores in on her face. Look at that face, he cries. Would anybody vote for that? Can you imagine that, the face of our next president? The laughter grows halting and faint behind him, and then he continues. I mean, she's a woman. I'm not supposed to say bad things, but really, folks, come on. Are we serious? <laughs> What's great, what I love about that is, you know, he realizes in the interview that he should not be saying what he's saying, but then goes on to keep saying the thing he knows he's not supposed to be saying. And this came up at a CNN debate shortly after that, where Carly Fiorina had a chance to respond. Here's Jake Tapper during that CNN debate asking Carly Fiorina for her response, and it was sharp and pointed. Ms. Fiorina, I do want to ask you about this. In an interview last week in Rolling Stone magazine, Donald Trump said the following about you, quote, look at that face. Would anyone vote for that? Can you imagine that, the face of our next president? Mr. Trump later said he was talking about your persona, not your appearance. 
please feel free to respond what you think about his persona. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to me, Mr. Trump said that he heard Mr. Bush very clearly and what Mr. Bush said. I think women all over this country heard very clearly what Mr. Trump said. Oh, the microphone. Oh man, Seth and Nate. How will Trump respond? I think she's got a beautiful face, and I think she's a beautiful woman. Okay, <laughs> for the love of Pete. There were a lot of groans and boos after that statement, by the way. Uh, reasonably so. So here's another pattern we're noticing with number three and number four. You know, when he got caught saying that, uh, or not got caught, he went on national television on a phone interview and said, Megyn Kelly is bleeding out of her wherever. He then turns around and says, I was talking about her ears, but I wanted to get on with the conversation. And then when he says that it's Rolling Stone, look at Carla Fiorina's face. I can't imagine that face as president. He tries to get out of that by saying, I was talking about her persona. Come on. What are you talking about? Don't be ridiculous. So he has this bad habit of trying to kind of make these uh, preposterous claims about what he was truly trying to say when most people know exactly what he was saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how, uh, how like, you know, I'm no psychiatrist. I'm not sure how consciously or intentionally he's doing this stuff. But um, it's definitely, there's something strategic about it. Uh, he says something with, you know, just like a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. Where he can deny it later. Plausible deny. deniability. Right. But but he what he says plants an idea out there. Um, like re- regardless of what you thought about uh, Carly Fiorina, um, once Trump's once someone like in Trump's position is saying, um, you know, she doesn't have a presidential face or whatever. You 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 look at her and you think, does she have a presidential face? <laughs> um, like it, re- whoever yeah. you are, you yeah. know. Um, you know, you you uh, evaluate what he says based on its, uh, you know, on the merits. On it, yeah, it's not its merits. <laughs> even even though like the merits are, uh, you know, not even the point of that. It's more right. just, uh, um, well, I don't know. It's it's a uh, basically. I, I I'm not sure how conscious the strategy is, but it's definitely um, it's definitely worked well. Yes, uh, you know the whole point of this uh, top ten uh, most outrageous things Trump did during the campaign is to see, you know, just how many uh, statements he survived to become president on this Friday, January twentieth, at the inauguration. Right, right. But uh, the the thing is, though, like I, I, I'm not sure that he just survived these statements. Like I think some of them really helped, helped him, his yeah. campaign a lot. That's right. Like. Um, the Mexican statements probably helped his base because they thought he was that, tough on right. The that helped him. <laughs> I mean, this this probably basically you know, um, uh, you know, uh, took down one of his rivals. Like, probably just you know. Well, it's interesting because Fiorina was at the kids' table debate in that August sixth first debate, and she did so well at the kids' table, she moved up to the big boys debate for this debate and a few debates afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so this was like her at her peak during the campaign, and that that comment that her comeback. Um, really was uh, quite well stated and uh, it helped her at least for the short term. You heard the applause in the room. And then, of course, the booze when Trump so disingenuously said, I think she has a wonderful face. <laughs> just, just silliness. So these things kind of uh, give you an indication of what he might be like as president and we'll see about that. Um, but, you know, the thing that happened next during the campaign, this was November of 2015. Um, there had been a terrorist attack, um, and then Donald Trump uh, came out and had uh, quite, quite an unorthodox prescription to solve terrorism, to say the least. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. We have no choice. No choice. We have no choice. So the reality is we do have many other choices besides that. And the thing about the Muslim ban, the infamous Muslim ban, that was one of the really big uh, low points or high points, depending on your point of view, uh, I suppose, (laughs) during the campaign. 
Um, and he was asked on MSNBC later how he would, uh, just practically speaking, implement a Muslim ban. Uh, and he said that at customs at the airport, uh, someone would walk through the, by the customs agent and they would ask, are you a Muslim? And then they would say yes or no. And that would be how the Muslim ban would work. Now, anyone with half a brain would know that uh, that would be a very ineffective way to ban Muslims. Forgetting about like the moral uh, implications of doing that, um, just practically speaking, this, it was a very ham-handed kind of knee-jerk response to an international terrorist attack. And, uh, you know, there are big questions about whether it's constitutional or not. And, and then, you know, morally, it would not be a good idea, obviously, to ban an entire religion just because of their religion. You know, we, <laughs> there are presidents and prime ministers of Muslim countries that are our allies who would not be allowed to come in the country. The mayor of London would That's not true. be allowed to visit the United States under this proposal. Also, also true. <laughs> so this proposal was later trans, uh, kind of reformed, if you would call it reformed. It was changed to people coming from terror-infested countries like uh, Iraq and Syria. But for a long time, the Muslim ban was a big thing. And even to this day, it's still one of the main reasons his detractors uh, call Trump a, a bigoted, racist-type person because of things like this. And you know, I don't know. Is what was your reaction to the Muslim ban when you first heard it? I mean, it was basically basically that. I was like, "Wow, I don't think you can do that." <laughs> um, hmm. Uh, the yeah, the the um, I'm like the what I thought. I guess that was different from what most most people thought. Um, was like it's not sincere. He doesn't he doesn't sincerely believe that this is going to work. Yeah. He, do, he doesn't he's not being sincere basically. Right. So um, which you know that's better or worse the yes. like depending on your perspective. That's but, right. Uh, I I think what what I what I want to think is, is the case with this. I want to think you know I want to think that our president uh is going to be smart and going to make good decisions. Yeah. And going to um even if stuff seems a little wacky, you know, right. that's what I, that's, this is what my hope is. That's right. What I hope is that this was just some sort of, um, you know, elaborate negotiation technique where you, uh, you know, um, I'm going to sell you my pencil for a million dollars. And then yeah. we end up with me selling it for, for like a hundred dollars, which is like right. way more than, so I'm hoping it's just some crazy, like, Art of the deal, uh, Donald yeah. J. Trump negotiation tactics. That's, that's right. So, you know, this really was the jumping off point for the left, uh, particularly. You know, the right, you know, there, were, there weren't any people who were defending this statement. And even uh, Donald Trump's soon to be vice presidential running mate, Mike Pence, came out against this proposal and said it's un American or something to that effect back in uh, late 2015. And this was the reason why the left uh, paints Donald Trump as someone who's going to. Uh, kick Muslims out of the country. Um, yeah. Now, while that's not what he said, it's still, uh, they gave him the fear. And, you know, a lot of Muslims across right. the country are afraid of Donald Trump for that reason. Yeah. I mean, like the, they responded, the response was like, as we've seen continuously, the, the response to what Donald Trump does has been like, um, his opponent's response has been uh, the wrong response right. over and over again. They do the wrong thing yes. that will probably ultimately help him, get what he wants. Yeah, his poll numbers rose after this statement, too. Right. Because he was seen as tough on uh, Islamic terrorism, and he was someone who would say radical Islamic terrorism, where Barack Obama was very hesitant to do that. Right. And this statement, like the statement that he would say over and over that he's going to, you know, have a deportation force and deport um, 11 million illegal immigrants uh, because we either have a country or we don't have a country. It's called management. It's called uh, being smart, being tough. You know, these are two things that I never, ever thought was ever going to happen. And I think anyone who would think about it for a good five seconds would know that there's not going to be a ban on Muslims coming into the country. Right. And that you're not going to be rounding up people. And yet those are the kinds of big things that the <laughs> minorities, especially uh, immigrants and Muslims, really are afraid of Donald Trump over, by and large. These yeah. two statements that are never going to happen. Right. The... the um. So around around the time of this coming out, I got into like a little debate with like this uh, 
person who uh, is basically they claim they're a socialist. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so this uh, what what I what I said was uh, we were, we were talking about um, uh, Bernie and Trump and everything. This is uh, and uh, I was I I was basically saying I think Bernie and Trump are like basically the same and like they're a lot more similar than either of their. The fact that their supporters think that they're so different is yeah. proof that they're the same. Um, the uh, the and uh, what 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 we got on to sort of was uh, um, I, I was saying how well how do you explain the fact uh, they're personality driven basically they're yeah. personality driven populist you know uh, authoritarians who who are just going to come in and put in you know um, seemingly anyway they're just going to you know, change the system or the yeah. They're going to use government to, to impose the policies. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, how how do you explain the fact that uh, Trump isn't going to accomplish most of what he's saying if he's in office? Yet, this is a very hypothetical, and I was calling for him to explain this hypothetical thing, and he uh, declined, obviously, which I can understand. Um, but I was I said, uh, um, how do you explain the fact that his his followers are never going to abandon him, even though he's not going to do any of this stuff. He's not going to build a wall. He's not going to do a lot of all that. And the, the guy's response was, I think his followers think he's really going to do that. And I was like, that's not what I'm saying. I, I'm saying he's not going to do it, yet people will uh, will still support him. The people that support him um, will because, well, you know, it's a personality thing. It's a it's a leadership style um, that people are getting onto, And it's also because this is a. You know, th- this is why one reason why uh, Trump was successful where Bernie failed is because Trump is a negotiator and uh, Bernie, you know, is senile. Well, that's <laughs> a great point yet again. Um, one of the kind of honorable mentions that our staff uh, found, uh, because, again, these are just 10 of the controversial statements or uh, dozens more uh, that we could have used. So one of the honorable mentions was when Donald Trump said, I could be on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any support. <laughs> and uh, you know that statement's kind of true, so we didn't include that one here. The, but uh, still, a controversial. Also, as long as we're doing asides, I just watched the new Beatles documentary that came out, the Ron Howard thing. Yeah. Uh, eight days a week, um, and uh, you know, there's that famous instant instance where uh, John Lennon said uh, in an interview, uh, "The Beatles were bigger than Jesus," you know. Okay. That was a. Did you know about that? I did not know about that. But we'll talk about that oh, another okay. day. Well, it was a very Donald Trump moment. And, I see. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was great. It, it really reminded Maybe me. Maybe in of, a future episode of Sudden Death, our staff will get that together. <laughs> okay, so number six. Uh, this was in the early 2016 when Donald Trump was talking to CNN's Jake Tapper on the State of the Union, and he was. Uh, Jake Tapper asked Trump about whether he would disavow some white supremacist groups and David Duke associated groups. And here's what Trump uh, had to say after being asked by Tapper first. But it is over. I want to ask you about the Anti-Defamation League, which this week called on you to publicly condemn unequivocally the racism of former KKK Grand Wizard David Duke, who recently said that voting against you at this point would be treason to your heritage. Will you unequivocally condemn David Duke and say that you don't want his vote or that of other white supremacists in this election? Yes. Well, just so you understand, I don't know anything about David Duke, okay? I don't know anything about what you're even talking about with uh, white supremacy or white supremacists. So I don't know. know. I mean, I don't know. Did did he endorse me or what's going on? Because, you know, I know nothing about David Duke. I know nothing about white supremacists. And so you're asking me a question that I'm supposed to be talking about people that I know nothing about. But I I guess the question from the the Anti-Defamation League is, even if you don't know about their endorsement, there are these groups and individuals endorsing you. Would you just say unequivocally you condemn them and you don't want their support? Well, I have to look at the group. I mean, I don't know what group you're talking about. You White wouldn't want me to condemn a group that I know about. nothing about. I'd have to look. If you would send me a list of the groups, I will do research no, on them. And certainly I would disavow I if I thought there was something wrong. But you may have groups in there that are totally fine, and it would be very unfair. So give me a list of the groups, and no. I'll let you know. Okay. No. I mean, I'm just talking about David Duke and the Flux Clan here. But I don't know. Honestly, I don't know David Duke. <laughs> I don't about believe I've ever met him. I'm pretty sure I didn't meet him, and I just don't know anything about him. 
So that was like a layup. That was a softball. Should have been a softball. Yes, I will disavow David Duke and white supremacist groups. You don't need a list of white supremacist groups. If they're white supremacist groups, the answer is I disavow them, and then you move on. Yet Donald Trump was hemming and hawing on that one, and um, that, uh, first of all, was disingenuous because Donald Trump uh, toyed with running for president in 2000, and back then he said that, uh, you know, David Duke and the Klan and his entourage, and that was not company I wish to keep, which is what Trump said when he was thinking about running on the Reform Party ticket uh, back in 2000. So yeah. he knew David Duke in 2000, and just 16 years later, his memory seems to have escaped him. Maybe he's seen out too. Or he was doing some really bad uh, dog whistling type stuff. And I will say that when this happened, uh, this was like really um, irritating for me. I, I was almost... Uh, just going to uh, <laughs> be oh very God. critical of Donald Trump at this point yeah. uh, because this is like really ridiculous and unexcusable, um, <laughs> inexcusable and unexcusable. It's just that bad. All of the above, yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing is he wants their votes, obviously, right? That's <laughs> so, not a so good like, reason. That's just, you well, don't. yeah, I, I, oh, I, think, I think this was probably uh, really um, – uh, the wrong way to handle this. Uh, you think? Yeah. I'm, I mean, so, well, you know, whatever. The uh, the offensiveness, blah, blah, blah. White supremacists should be disavowed. <laughs> no, I need a list. You got to give me a list and give me all their names uh, and their last I'll, names. I'll pick give the, me their address. I'll pick the ones I don't uh, like. I need their, their, their hair color and uh, the, the kind of clothes they wear, too, before I can disavow. White supremacists. Yeah. Outrageous, but but I mean I think I think this was kind of bad for his uh, his whole campaign and persona because this uh, white supremacy thing has like not gone away. Right. On the other hand, on the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, this may have also been a you know a well executed ploy it's... because the um, the outrage which we've talked about as having repeatedly failed yeah. um, to you know take him down this this keeps the outrage going. This keeps like a little bit of white supremacy fire going, um, which you know distracts the distracts his opponents. It's yeah. like basically a red herring, right? And David Duke or was a white running, herring. Well, yeah, <laughs> a white <laughs> herring. Yes, you know David Duke was running for Senate in Louisiana during this election cycle, and he was constantly on Twitter and Facebook uh, saying how much he approved of Donald Trump. And when Donald Trump said that he didn't know who the Klan were and who these groups were, and he did a list. You know, David, Troop was, uh, David Duke was congratulating Donald Trump for not trashing David Duke because he's just so misunderstood, you see. Um, so, but anyway, this really, oh my, so this really I, got me mad. I, yeah, I told you, uh, um, you know, uh, a while back, I, you know, I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos on the election, blah, 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 blah. And eventually, one, I got a recommended YouTube video. It was like, David Duke says uh, something. And I done it. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, I watched like five seconds of it. I was so horrified. He's yeah. the scariest looking dude. Yeah. Um, the things he says are scary too. He looks like, yeah, he looks like, you know, he's risen from the dead. He looks like a white walker, <laughs> not just like a white person. Right. He looks like he is one of the, you know, undead zombies from <laughs> Game of Thrones. Right. Yes. And uh, the, like one of the first things he said was like, um, people want to want to want to say that I am a, you know, racist. But I'm not racist, and I was like, "All right, I'm out here." Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> if only Trump had been that no, uh, astute. You freaking uh, crazy white zombie. That's right. Um, now, uh, number seven. Uh, what happened next is Donald Trump. Uh, well, he had said that uh, during 9/11, there are a bunch of Muslims on rooftops in New Jersey celebrating the towers falling in New York City, or in, in New Jersey, or the towers fell in New York City, obviously. And, of course, no one could find any evidence of this uh, because it very likely never happened. But Trump was saying it over and over again. And there is some reporter uh, from the New York Times who apparently had written something back during 9-11 that kind of, sort of validated what Trump was saying about there being people celebrating in New York City. But then the reporter came back and kind of said that uh, he was wrong about that and there wasn't really any evidence of that. And he just had heard he had heard people say that, but never actually saw it. And of course, this got Donald Trump angry because he had been using this reporter, uh, his writings from back during 9-11, shortly after, to prove his point, even though it really only kind of sort of proved his point. And then when the reporter kind of recanted, Donald Trump uh, went on to mocking the reporter. Of course, it turns out the reporter had a, a sort of disability where 
his hands are kind of uh, bent over in, in front of his chest. So he has to uh, kind of live like that. And Donald Trump mocked the reporter like this. You got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. He's going like, I don't remember. I had to, oh, maybe that's what I said. This is 14 years ago. He still, they didn't do a retraction. So while he was mocking, he had the, the hand motions that kind of looked uh, like how the reporter, his disabilities, forced him to live. And uh, this became Donald Trump was mocking a disabled reporter. Now, I, I must say again, I think I'm in the minority <laughs> on this comment because, you know, I've seen Trump mock people before and he mocks anyone and everyone. And he's kind of had sort of similar hand gestures uh, to the ones he employed here. In fact, we'll uh, tweet a video out on our Sudden Death Twitter page after the show twitter.com or or at sudden show on twitter with a kind of a montage of some of his mocking but you know i i didn't think he was mocking the reporter's disability but he was certainly mocking the reporter and there's a distinction that should be made as well this became you know donald trump is mocking uh, someone with a disability as opposed to donald trump is mocking someone's disability exactly there's a difference between mocking someone who happens to have a disability for a totally unrelated reason and mocking them because of their disability um, you know, Donald Trump adamantly denied he was mocking the disability, but just having the headline, Donald Trump mocks disabled reporter is really not good for any normal campaign, but Donald Trump somehow survived. Um, when you saw it, did you think he was uh, intentionally mocking the disabled reporter's disability? Um, I mean, it, it certainly looks that way. I, I would have to, you know, uh, see what you're talking about, which is his uh, repeated use of well, our staff will, hand gestures. Our staff will post a video uh, uh, later today, so yeah. we'll all see. It, it It definitely looked to me like he was mocking the disability. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think reasonable minds can disagree on this, but, you know, his opponents are really quick to take the the idea that he's mocking the disabled reporter. But, of course, the distinction was very rarely made that he was mocking the disability as opposed to just the reporter. You know, of course, as a right. fact, he was mocking the reporter. He would agree with that, but he would disagree that he was mocking the disability, the physical disability. Yeah. Okay, so number eight. Um, Donald Trump was uh, doing a town hall with Chris Matthews. Again, why? I don't know. On MSNBC. And Chris Matthews... Speaking of mockery. This is, this, yes. This is why you don't do interviews with Chris Matthews, uh, especially town halls on MSNBC. Because Chris Matthews is obsessed with the issue of uh, abortion and being pro-life, and he absolutely grilled Trump on his pro uh, his abortion position, and it became pretty clear that Donald Trump had not thought a lot about this at all. Should the woman be punished for having an abortion? Uh, look, uh, this is not something you can dodge. If you say abortion is a crime or abortion is murder, you have to deal with it under the law. Should abortion be punished? Well, people in certain parts of the Republican Party and conservative Republicans would say, yes, they should be punished. How about you? Uh, I would say that it's a very serious problem, and it's a problem that we have to decide on. Uh, is it's very hard. But you're I mean, forbidding are you going to say, well, wait, are you going to say put them in jail? Are you, is that well, the no, what I'm asking you, about? because you say you want to ban it. What's I, that I mean? Would, I am against, I am pro-life, yes. What is ban? How pro-life. do you ban abortion? How do you actually do it? Well, you know, you'll go back to a, a position like they had, where people will perhaps go to illegal places, yeah. but you have to ban it. I'm you against, ban it, and they go to somebody who, tr- who flunked out of medical way, school. Are you Catholic? Yes, I think I... I and how do you at, feel about the Catholic Church's well, position? I accept the teaching authority of my church on moral issues. But do you know their position on abortion? Yes, I do. And do you concur with that position? I concur with their moral position, but legally I, know, I get but, to the but, question. But, Here's my problem no, with No, no, but let me ask you, but what do you say about... It's not funny. Your church. Yeah, it's really not a funny thing. What do you say about your church? They're very, very strong. They're allowed to, but the churches make their moral judgments, but you running for president of the United States will be chief executive of the United States. Do you believe, no, but, in, but you're, do you believe you're, in punishment for abortion? Yes or no is a principle. Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. Ten, no, ten, ten years? I don't what? know. That I don't know. That well, why I don't not? Know. I don't know. You take positions and everything else. I Frankly, I do take positions and everything else. It's a very complicated position. Okay, so there are many reasons and ways you can tell that Donald Trump had not thought about this question at all, which is ridiculous if you're running for president as a Republican because you know you're going to get That's hammered true. on this. Number one is he asked Chris Matthews. He like starts questioning Chris Matthews about his position on abortion and how it relates to the Catholic Church. You know, I think he was trying to get ideas about what he might say because he didn't know what he was going to say. And uh, then, you know, he kind of when Chris Matthews asked him directly, should there be punishment for abortion? He says, like, well, 
some people in the Republican Party would say yes as a way to not himself have to say yes, but kind of put it on them. And then Chris Matthews peppers him again later on, and then he says, well, um, pause, 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 let me think, let me think, what is the correct answer for this? Yes, there has to be punishment for abortion. What should the punishment be? Uh, I don't know. I haven't thought about this. It's, it's a really complicated issue. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of just going head to head, uh, you know, th- this was a really great job done by Chris Matthews of, of like, uh, you know, finding his weakness and then like revealing it basically. Um, and you, you can, you, it's funny cause you can really see like Trump's, uh, um, I guess kind of like persuasion techniques that he employs kind of like, uh, you know, uh, going out there and then like falling apart. Yes. Um, so I, it's kind of, you can see, you can really see, uh, his mind working. You know, the, uh, the faith community, the Christian community who voted for Trump, well, voted for him because he would, in part, because he would appoint a quote, pro-life Supreme court justice. Um, and you know, Trump said himself, he was pro-life because of, uh, he used to be pro-choice. Obviously he gave this infamous interview to meet the press in the late nineties about, how he was okay with late-term abortion, even though he didn't like it personally, um, but that he would appoint Supreme Court justice who were pro-life. Uh, but Donald Trump clearly had not thought about his own personal view on pro-life. He just kind of seemed to uh, gain it out of political expedience, and that's why when Chris Matthews asked, should there be a punishment for abortion, he has no idea how to answer that. He wants to kind of please his Republican base, but he doesn't know how without sounding really extreme, but then he goes on to say, well, yeah, women should be punished for the abortion, and I don't know what the punishment should be really not well thought out and that kind of shows you right. how he is going to be on social issues i think yeah um, just not well thought out right so okay number nine um this was at the end of the primary campaign where you know, donald trump was on fox and friends and fox and friends was playing a clip of rafael cruz saying that he thought rafael did that his son ted cruz was kind of anointed by god to run for president at this time and so you'll hear rafael cruz and then you'll hear Donald Trump's reaction to that on Fox and Friends. Take a look. I exhort every member of the body of Christ to vote according to the Word of God and vote for the candidate that stands on the Word of God and on the Constitution of the United States of America. And I am convinced that man is my son, Ted Cruz. The alternative could be the destruction of America. Does that resonate with the folks here in Indiana? I think it's a disgrace that he's allowed to do it. I think it's a disgrace that he's allowed to say it. You know, I'm backed by, uh, by you look at Jerry Falwell Jr., and you look at so many of the ministers that are backing me, and they're backing me more so than they're backing uh, Cruz, and I'm winning the evangelical vote. And it's disgraceful that his father can go out and do that. And, just, and so many people are angry about it. And the evangelicals are angry about it, the way he does that. And, you know, there's, there's a whole thing. And, and, you know, his father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being, uh, you know, shot. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. What, what, what is this right prior to his being shot? And nobody even brings it up. I mean, they don't even talk about that. That was reported, uh, and nobody talks about it. But I think it's horrible. I think it's absolutely horrible that a man can go and do that, what he's saying there. Right. There was a picture out there that reportedly shows uh, uh, Raphael Cruz standing with Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, what, I was, he doing with, what um, was he doing with Lee Harvey Oswald right. shortly before the death, uh, before the shooting? It's, it's horrible. But one thing I don't think you think is horrible is Rasmussen came out with a poll. Uh, the presumptive... And, of course, the Fox and Friends hosts go on to another topic after that. That's, that is a really standout moment. And now... Everything we played so far are really self-inflicted wounds, things that didn't need to be said or happen that, you know, he kind of created his own problems. But this or was created his own success. Right. Right. Yes. But this was probably the most unnecessary thing in the entire primary campaign because this happened on the morning of the Indiana primary, a primary that Ted Cruz would go on to be slaughtered in. Uh, Donald Trump would win that primary big, and that would be or big league, as he would say. Um, and that would be the reason why Ted Cruz would drop out of the race the next day and John Kasich the next day after, which would make Donald Trump the presumptive nominee. So he was going into Indiana with a huge advantage and on the morning of the primary to take this report. And this picture that Brian Kilmeade is talking about there is something from the National Enquirer. The National Enquirer had, had this picture that supposedly showed Rafael Cruz standing next to Lee Harvey Oswald a few days before the JFK assassination. Um, and, of course, 
uh, it was totally bogus, a totally bogus idea. But Donald Trump just throws this out there to Fox News on the morning of the Indiana primary, um, totally unsubstantiated in order to hurt Ted Cruz. And it was just so ridiculous. And this is on top of Donald Trump tweeting out a picture of Ted Cruz's wife, Heidi Cruz, a really bad picture where she's in mid-sentence. And right next to Melania Trump, a really beautiful picture of her. And then a caption on the tweet that says, a picture's worth a thousand words. One of his supporters tweeted it to him, and then Donald Trump retweeted it out. And so that's two ridiculous attacks on Ted Cruz in the matter of a couple of weeks. And, you know, conservatives were really upset with Donald Trump because of this. And, I mean, it's just so unnecessary when you're about to win big league. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't explain this shit to you. I mean, this stuff to you. <laughs> okay, so we're going to have to put an E on the podcast now. So there we yeah, go. Let's just see if we can get away with it. <laughs> Love it, Pete. And finally, number Bring 10. Bring your kids. <laughs> number 10. I'm going to have a talk with you and the producers after the show, by the way. Meet me in my office. Right. Um, number 10 is uh, the last thing that happened in chronological order besides the Access Hollywood tape was Donald Trump talking about a judge who was uh, presiding over his Trump University lawsuit, a judge by the name of Judge Curio. He was uh, born in Indiana but he was of Mexican heritage. But Donald Trump didn't like the way that he was uh, ruling on some of the hearings as the litigation in the case was going on. And Donald Trump had a few things to say about that, particularly that his Mexican heritage prevented him from being an impartial arbiter of this uh, case. Now, if you know anything about law, you can, uh, if you're an attorney uh, trying a case, you can um, make a motion to have the judge recuse him or herself because of some type of bias but race is obviously not one of the factors you can use to have him recuse himself, and you can get uh, sanctioned for that. Here's what Donald Trump said to Jake Tapper again about his uh, thoughts about Judge Curio. Mexican heritage. I'm building a wall, okay? I'm building a wall. I am going to do very well with the Hispanics, the Mexicans. So everybody. no Mexican judge could ever be involved in a case well, that involves you? Uh, he's a member of a society where, you know, very pro-Mexico, and that's fine. It's all fine. But Except I think, that you're calling I question think he heritage. should recuse himself. Because he's then Latino. you also say, does he know the lawyer on the other side? I mean, does he know the lawyer? You know, a lot of people say. But I'm not yes, talking about that. I'm talking well, no, about that's like, another. That's another problem. But you're invoking his race when talking he, about whether or not he can do his job. Jack, I'm building a wall. Okay, I'm building a wall. I'm trying to keep business out of Mexico. Mexico's fine. There's nothing. But he's American. Mexican, he's an American. Uh, he's of Mexican heritage, and he's very proud of it, as I am where I come but from. But he's my an parents. American. You keep talking about. Jake. It's a conflict Jake. of interest because of Mexico. Are you ready? I have a case that should have been dismissed already. I have thousands of people saying Trump University is fantastic, okay? I have a case that should have been dismissed. I have a judge that never, ever gives a fair. Now we lose the plaintiff. He lets the plaintiff of the case out. So why isn't he canceling the case? So we thought we won the case. So you disagree with his rulings. I, I know, totally no, understand that. But you're... I've had lawyers come up to me say, you are being treated so unfairly. It's unbelievable. Isn't you know, the plaintiffs in the case have all said wonderful things about the school, and they're suing. You know why they're suing? Because they want to get their money back. I don't really want to litigate the case you have to. of Trump University. Because what if a... he was giving me fair rulings, I wouldn't say that. My but question is... Jake, if yeah. you were giving me fair rulings, I wouldn't be talking to you this way. He's giving me horrible but rulings. But I don't care if you criticize him. That's fine. You can criticize every decision. What I'm saying is, if you invoke his race as a reason why he can't do his job... I think that's why he's doing it. But... Isn't I that, think that's why he's doing it. When Hillary Clinton says it's Hillary, a racist Hillary attack. Hillary Clinton is a stiff. If Hillary Clinton but Paul becomes Ryan today, Paul I Ryan mean, today said he, he didn't care for the way that you were attacking this judge. Look, I'm... <sighs> okay, so if you thought uh, Latinos would be turned off by the uh, Mexico sending rapists over the border comments, uh, this, of course, was a double down on that. Uh, when you say that the judge who is presiding over your case is Mexican and therefore cannot be impartial in ruling on your case when number one, he's not Mexican, he's American of Mexican heritage. You know, that this was really what tanked his poll numbers all the way in up to the uh, uh, the convention because you know, people, even as Jake Tapper said at the end there, Paul Ryan said this was kind of the textbook definition of racism. Um, <laughs> and so that's what happened here um, with the. That's why he kind of was calmed down during the, yeah. the month of June 2016. But uh, once again, I think uh, this is not a textbook example of racism. You know, right. like that, that's just a, that's a false statement, right? 
Right, let so it like, to the speaker's office. That's that's a uh, that's just like it's stuff like that that ends up helping Trump. Right, because Paul Ryan was seen as kind of a you know as a Republican, the Speaker of the House, the most powerful Republican in the House, and yet he's going um, against Donald Trump and kind of uh, helping the liberal media and progressives in general um, kind of fight against Trump. But right. you know, Trump's going to be inaugurated on uh, June January twentieth, and. Um, He's going to have a lot more of these moments, presumably, so we'll have a lot more of this coming up in the months ahead and years ahead. But for now, this has been Sudden Top 10 Countdown, and uh, we will see you again next week. I'm Rashawn and Alex. We are out. Catch you later.